Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way in which it's as practical as it's always been. And do pray tonight uh, that as you speak to us, you will open our ears. Help me to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Amen. I think this is officially one of Jason Clark's favourite poems. Uh, he's read it before from the pulpit, but I wanted to start with it again. I, I want to be the leader. I want to be the leader. Uh, can I be the leader? Can I? Can I? Promise, promise. Yippee! I'm the leader. I'm the leader. Okay, what should we do? Uh, in just about every group situation in life, uh, whether you like it or not, someone has to take the lead. Some of us love to take the lead, uh, and maybe a little bit too much sometimes. Um, while others hate it, even when we know we should take the lead. Um, I hope this evening to carefully unpack whose job this is in families. Um, one service is nowhere near enough to fill you in on three months of sabbatical, which you very kindly let me go on in July, um, or from July to August. I can't remember when it was now, it seems ages ago. Um, but if I could pick one foundational thing that I think would help us support families better, uh, it would start with this question. Who, who takes the lead in families? Uh, and what does that look like? Uh, it wasn't goofy in our family, I hasten to add. Um, the problem is, though, when we come to a question like this, we all come with baggage. I have a little bit of a clip from a, a film. It's called iRobot. It goes like this. We seem to have lost some of the sound there. Um, but you, you'll get the idea. Um, uh, Will Smith is, uh, has a major dislike of robots in the film iRobot, and uh, his prejudice prevents him from seeing um, something uh, that's uh, going on. Uh, a lady is struggling with her asthma, and she's not too happy when he rugby tackles a robot who is running to the rescue. Um, I, uh, uh, fortunately, all the words weren't on there, because she uses a word to describe how she feels. And the sentiment is... Listen, you're daft if you lose the plot just because of baggage. You're daft if you lose the plot just because of baggage. However, all of us come with baggage to any situation, uh, and nowhere is that more obvious than when we encounter passages like this, the one that we're going to look at tonight. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, it's no small duffel bag here, is it? We're talking major suitcases. Um, we all come with baggage, and that's important to recognise. 
However, I think this area of family relationships is one where the world is in massive need of plain speaking. You only need to read the papers to recognise that uh, antisocial behaviour amongst young people is on the up. Uh, marriage breakdown and divorce rates are rife. Is it just this lady, super nanny, who can offer us hope? Well, no, I think there's plenty other places and a much better place to start because God's word gives us plenty of pointers when it comes to families. The Bible does speak plainly about God's expectations in families and that's got to come first, no matter how much baggage we come with. God's big family is a bit of a theme in Ephesians. God's chosen people and now everybody else are united in Christ as God's household, his big family. And uh, as uh, children, chapter 5 and verse 1 tell us to imitate, to be like this perfectly unified and holy God that we have. And it's a unity and purity that verse 21, if you just look at it in our, uh, our Bibles, uh, tells us comes about by submission to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's a foundation that we should keep in mind as we come on to the more thorny areas of this passage. Remember that the whole thing is underpinned by submission to one another. Uh, incidentally, rather than give a negative spin on that word submission, I like to think the Bible, in fact I, I think the Bible, is decidedly positive about it. If you want a, a definition of submission, I think this would be a good one. Submission is to encourage and respect those who have God-given responsibility. To encourage and respect those who have God-given responsibility. And where is the best place to learn this submission? Well, at home, with your family. Right the way through the Bible, it has always been at home where people have learnt how to be part of God's big family. Maybe if we took that a little more seriously, folk like me would be out of a job or be able to retire early. Apparently the wardens have got a good package all ready for me. Um, in our first reading from Deuteronomy 6, um, we are instructed as parents, those of us who are, to teach what it means to be God's people to our children. As far as the Bible's concerned, these two families that we have are inextricably linked. You can't take them apart. How we understand and act in one family will have a positive or negative knock-on effect in the other. So I don't think there's any surprise that in Ephesians, Paul moves from submission in our big family, our big Christian family, to submission in households and biological families. Uh, but by now, some of you will have probably switched off, saying, uh, well, you know, I'm not married. What's this got to do with me? Well, one day you might get married. And uh, don't you think as part of God's family you'd like to support people who are married? Uh, and also, we shall discover uh, there are principles that apply to all of us. Even marriages viewed from the outside have got lots to teach us about the gospel. Or there may be those folk here, this is Paul's uh, holiday snaps, um, <laughs> where... Where, uh, you know, you've been married for years and years and years. Surely you've got it sussed. Well, no. We need to remind ourselves that God's there. With God, there's always new things to learn. And good stuff to learn, too. And remember, we so often forget, don't we? As a Christian, I'm forgetting all the time. So a service and a check over of the basics when it comes to marriage can only be a positive thing. And what about if you don't yet trust in Jesus and God's word? 
Well, I guess the challenge uh, for you would be, uh, when it comes to this different view of family that we're going to look at this evening, does it have any merits? Society seems to show that we haven't quite hit the nail on the head yet when it comes to family. Um, And if there is an all-knowing, all-loving, just God, then you'd think he'd have sensible suggestions for families. Also, if that's you, can I just say that personally, when I've started to take God at his word and trusted him over the years, well, what he says is true, and especially in my family. Okay, we've got baggage to one side, hopefully now. Everybody listening, let's have a look at the passage. Uh, Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Uh, For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Uh, As Paul said earlier on, you know, feminism, the age of liberation, freedom, whatever you want to think about it, think about, um, mean that these verses don't sit very comfortably with us, do they? Um, I've little against movements that I've just mentioned, because I think in recent history they've led to a massive decrease in exploitation and abuse of women. However... Having thought about it, and I have thought about it a lot, I'm convinced that what we read here is not at all at odds with wanting to avoid the humiliation and oppression of women. Especially since this passage comes in a book which is all about unity and equality and purity. So why are wives told to submit to their husbands? I'm not going to spend ages on this bit because I reckon that there's plenty that God wants to say to the fellas Uh, And what God says to the fellows, I think will help us to understand um, that the problem that women have with these few verses is overshadowed by the problems that men should have with the verses that are to follow. Um, I think, though, there are two reasons why Paul says wives should submit to their husbands. Uh, One is because the husband and wife are equal but with different roles, uh, and also to illustrate the church and Christ. Let's have a look at the different roles first. Verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife. What we need to remember here is um, Paul's call for wives to submit is not a cultural principle. It's a a creation principle. It goes right back to the beginning of time. And as you read elsewhere in the New Testament, what Paul says about husbands and wives in books like Corinthians and Timothy, um, you'll find that his arguments for submission don't come from any bigotry or don't come from any hatred of women or anything like that, but from the way God made stuff. We must never forget that God made men and women in his image, and that shows the equality that he expects. However, right from the word go, the husband was the head of the wife. It's back to someone's got to lead, I think. And so, right in the beginning, God made man first. God made Eve from one of Adam's ribs and made woman as his helper. So the order, the method and the purpose that we find in Genesis 2 all point towards men and women being equal but having different roles. Heads though, another one of those words, isn't it, which uh, can conjure up all sorts of unhelpful images. Uh, I know that, but bear with me because I'm quite excited to show that as we expand these different roles that men and women have in homes and what they represent, you'll see that there is logic and there's great dignity for husband and wife as both um, work together for God as one flesh. Uh, Why should wives submit? Well, uh, because husbands and wives are equal but with different roles and also to illustrate 
Christ and the church. It's all part of one very big and very clever illustration. Verse 23. Um, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Uh, Have you ever noticed as you wander down um, Fargate uh, that mannequins look very similar to human beings? Uh, Have you noticed as you sat in your car uh, with the Big Mac on the dashboard that it looks quite like the ones that you see in the poster? Uh, Maybe um, you've bought a radio-controlled Ferrari, which is quite like a big boy's toy. None of them quite are like the real thing, but it does give you an idea of what the authentic article is like. Uh, And a marriage is supposed to do just the same. It's to illustrate how the church should relate to Christ. It's never quite going to get it exactly right, but as an illustration, it can be quite a good one. I don't know whether God um, invented marriage just to illustrate the relationship between Jesus and the church, but if he did, well, I think it's a pretty good reason. As wives submit to husbands, people, not least their children, should look on at their marriage and say, oh, yeah, well, I I understand how Christians are supposed to relate to Jesus now. That puts this submission thing in a different context, doesn't it? It changes stuff. John Stott, in his commentary on Ephesians, uh, says quite helpfully, I think, um, therefore, submission is not about unthinking obedience to rules, but grateful acceptance of love and care. And that's where the chaps come in. Uh, Husbands, verse 25, love your wives. Verse 28, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives. Verse 33, however, each one of you must love his wife. Three times, husbands, love your wives. I think Paul is pretty anxious to get that men get this message. And he's also concerned that we know how to do it too. And it's very interesting, looking through this passage, that while the wives are told the whys of submission, the men are told the hows of loving And maybe that's got something to do with women knowing naturally what to do once they've got good reason, whereas men are generally lazy. uh, uh, And even though they know what they should do, they tend not to get on with it. I would guess that most men in our church would agree that loving your wife is a good thing, that training and and instructing your children um, uh, is 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 a great thing. I know I can sort of nod in agreement to both of those, but actually going home and changing things uh, is a different matter. So, here's the hows. How should husbands love their wives? Well, as Christ loved the church and as part of you. Uh, Let's have a look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her uh, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Jesus was absolutely amazing, wasn't he? These verses remind us the lengths that he was prepared to go to uh, for rebellious human beings who want little to do with God. Verse 25. He gave himself. We're not talking, um, yeah, I can sort of manage between 4 and 4.30 on Friday if that's all right. Well, this is 100% I'm yours. I'll even die for you if it's in your best interests. And you can see that's his motivation when we look at verse 25. He says he wants to make her holy. Uh, He wants to present her to himself as radiant without stain or wrinkle or blemish. It's like preparation for a wedding, isn't it? Extreme pampering. 
We've got sauna, we've got the bath, we've got the jacuzzi, the hairdo, the makeover, the designer clothes. No expense spared. That's how Jesus loved us. It's agape, the Greek word that Paul uses in this passage to describe love. A love which is totally self-sacrificial. It's a lavish, extravagant, to death sort of love that spares no expense at all. But here's the rub, chaps. That's how we're supposed to love our wives. That's how we're supposed to love our wives. Have you ever seen those Love Is cartoons? They get it totally wrong. Uh, Here's some. Uh, Love is listening to romantic music together. Nah. Love is when he nibbles your ear. Definitely not. Uh, Love is a feeling to treasure. Well, there's much more to love than that. Uh, The quote that I found that gets the nearest is this one. Love is wanting to give her the moon and the stars. But still, it's miles away. Uh, A love like Christ loves the church is giving her the moon and the stars at, at all expense. Doing what's best for her at any cost. Now this is going to mean all sorts of things practically. Uh, It's going to mean putting your wife's needs before your own. It's going to mean uh, making decisions for her uh, at at your sake and at your making decisions for her sake at your expense. It's going to mean initiating prayer and Bible study. It's going to mean helping with jobs around the house, not begrudgingly, but because that's your job, as you love her, even if you've had a busy day. It's going to mean buying flowers for no reason at all because that's dealing with her emotional needs. Marriage is never, never about what we can get out of it. It's about what she should get out of it. And maybe um, we should start practicing this with our girlfriends before we get married as well. Um, I think it would certainly protect relationships from the selfishness that we sometimes encounter uh, as young men put physical and emotional things that they can experience before the interests of the girls involved. And that's why Christian blokes go out with non-believers, isn't it? Or, Or push their girlfriends too far physically because they are not putting the girls' best interests before their own selfish ones. So, fellas, start early. Learn these lessons before you get married. The second how. Uh, So they should love their wives as Christ loved the church, but also uh, love her as if she was part of you. Uh, Verse 28 says, um, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. It's plain talking, isn't it, the Bible? Here is a useful and realistic guide to daily behaviour towards your wife. Care for her as you'd care for yourself. Give her time to grow spiritually, time to relax, time to be with you. And our verses show how both of these hows, if they're practised well, will contribute to that big illustration that we talked about earlier on. My children and visitors to our house should look at my treatment of my wife Claire and understand more of how Jesus loves and cares for Christians. Now that is scary. That is really scary. What a massive responsibility. And while we're on responsibilities, just glance at chapter 6 and verse 4, because that's also directed at fellas, fellas, at fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Uh, I'm going to say some more controversial things, I suppose, here. But I reckon it's all to do with baggage again. In the Bible, uh, contrary to popular thinking, uh, there is an understanding that men 
are the start of children. Men are the start of children. So we get Abraham begat Isaac, begat Jacob. It's about the men there. It's a man's seed that starts a child. Now that is not to belittle in any way the vital role that females have to play. But to emphasise, a vital role, yeah, very vital. Yeah. <laughs> but it is to emphasise the responsibility uh, that men have for their children. There's an awful lot of responsibility flying around for fellas in these last few chapters uh, of Ephesians. Remember, we're not good at responsibility sometimes, blokes. So again, Paul spells it out in small, practical, bite-sized chunks. He says, don't exasperate your children. Don't uh, overprotect them or show favoritism or discourage them or try and clone them into yourself. Instead, Christian dads, these children, this fruit of your loins, if you want to think of it like that, they need tender, loving care. Discipline and train your children so as to bring their hearts to the heart of the Saviour. It's your responsibility. Just think about it. What real man would walk away from a business that he'd started, started uh, and leave it to fend for himself? That would be crazy, wouldn't it? And yet so many men do that with their children. Uh, whose job is it to lead in a family? Uh, and what does that look like? Well, hopefully you can begin to see now why God assigns headship to men in families. Uh, it's not um, an, an arbitrary lead. Uh, it's because God made it that way and men need authority in order to handle the responsible tasks that God has given them. It's most certainly not an authoritarian lead. Real, self-sacrificial, agape-type love. There's no room for that at all. And when it comes to kids and ministry, it's definitely not a solitary lead. There is most definitely partnership going on here. And it's not a superior lead either, either physically, morally, spiritually, or intellectually. And if you don't hear anything else this evening, listen to this. The only superiority that is going on in this passage is a superiority of responsibility. Men have responsibility for their wives and their children. And women should encourage and respect those who have God-given responsibility. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Husbands, love your wives and train your children to love Jesus. How is this going to work out in your family well, it's going to be interesting and exciting sorting that out. Uh, for Claire and I, well, at the moment I'm working on being more considered about making decisions of what to do with our family days off. Uh, I'm trying to listen better and understand better. Uh, I'm attempting to get everyone to study the odd proverb at tea time when we can. Um, and, and making time to chat through stuff and chill out with my older children who, even though they don't realise it, are beginning to need more time than they used to need. Baggage aside, I think that whatever perspective you're coming from uh, this evening, uh, you can see the great logic and perfect dignity in the expectations God has for individuals and families. I'm excited uh, about working with my wife Claire so that our little family works hard at doing its bit to support God's big family. Let's pray. Lord, uh, protect our thinking. Help us to turn to your word as we work out our responsibilities in life. Lord, I pray for each and every family represented here tonight. Lord, bless them and use them to bring glory to yourself. In your name. Amen.
Let's just pause for a moment maybe and think uh, of uh, a way in which we've been individually challenged this evening as uh, Paul comes in a moment to lead us to pray.